Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Spotlight. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, the one, the only, Jen. How are you doing, Jen? I am doing great. Everything out here is uh, dark and overcast for Hawaii, one of the few days that it's not super sunny. So we have our problems, too. Yeah. Right. The sun. Too much sun, right? Too much sun. Well, today it's actually nice and overcast. So we're getting a little break from all the sun. (laughs) Well, I am so glad to be joined by you. And um, also, I want to uh, talk about uh, the fact that we have a new venture uh, new podcast we will be covering the the tv series on amc called the terror and we've already done one episode and you can get it on our website indieradio.org but um so far is what three episodes into the tv show uh yeah, what we're do you three think episodes in what do you think so far i i love it i i i i don't just love the terror for what it is because it's based on a book that i read and I love that aspect. I love the fact that people get so engaged about it, that there's kind of a whole community of people wanting to find out what happens next. And because it's based on a true story, it feels like, uh, like a murder or like a, like a murder. It feels like a, a, an investigation into what might've happened in the past. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And if you want to check us out, uh, the show is every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, right there on IndieRadio.org. Check it out. All right, so uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, we haven't done a show in a while. Um, but I think a, fir- a good thing to start off with is a lot of times I like to start the show with whatever national day it is. And looking at the national day calendar, there's a couple of things. And I'm gonna only uh, I'm only going to focus on two of them. One is, did, did you know that April 6th is National Sorry Charlie Day? National Sorry Charlie. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think this might have to be about? Huh. <clears throat> Boy, that's a tough one. Sorry, Charlie. Tuna fish? Oh, you know what? You are good. You're good. Uh, National Sorry Charlie Day is observed each year on April 6th. This day encourages us, encourages, I can't even say it, encourages us <laughs> to think about the times we've been rejected. Whether we've been rejected by a sweetheart or by a college a uh, prospective employer uh, or by the bank for a loan, We've all been refused. National Sorry Charlie Day also gives us an opportunity to reflect on how we survived the rejection and we learned from it. Do you remember uh, Charlie the Tuna? He was often rejected. I do. (laughs) He was often rejected, but he would keep going with a smile. Sorry Charlie became closely associated with Starkiss. Uh, and was also a successful American catchphrase. Charlie never let rejection stop him. Do not let it stop you. And how do you observe? Share your best rejection stories using hashtag National Sorry Charlie Day to post on your social media. So, and it says history, um, uh, Kansas City, uh, Kathy, um, Kathy uh, Savancia. 
of Kansas City, Missouri, founded the Sorry Charlie Nine Fan Club for You uh, Club and National Sorry Charlie Day. All right, wow. that's a mouthful. So you know, I have to ask you. I know you're not prepared <laughs> for it. What's a good rejection story that you have? Well, okay, I'm a writer, mm-hmm. so I have <laughs> uh, uh, a thousand and one rejection experiences where you know you send somebody, send an agent material. Sorry, we're not interested. Then you get an agent and your agent sends your stuff off and you're still getting rejection letters. And <clears throat> yeah, you uh, you learn to deal with rejection. I think my favorite rejection story, though, is when I was much younger. I won't say how much younger. I sent a film in that I thought was just, oh, my God, I thought it was the best thing in the world. At the time, I thought, I am totally going to be the next Steven Spielberg. And I sent this film in and I... You know, it was simple. It was about a a hitman. And it was, I even used people that I knew to do it. And it was really simple. It was about five minutes long. But I thought, you know, oh my gosh, it's just got everything in it. And I got a letter back, a personalized letter from uh, the people that I had sent it into wanting to basically come on board as an apprentice. And they told me that I should really go back to film school for another year. (laughs) (laughs) It was very humbling. So that's one of my favorite, one of my favorite stories. That is funny. I yeah, it's so funny when I look at my old scripts. I you know like at the time I just thinking I'm I'm you know the next great thing right and, and mind you I started when I was like twelve, uh, so I'm thinking like oh I'm the next best uh, whatever right and we're we're about to add somebody. And um, and when I read those scripts now, like I found my old computer where I had my old scripts on it. And when I read them, I'm like, these things are terrible. Oh, no. I was like, was I? Was I Cher. Hey, Cher, how you doing? Doing good. How about yourself? Oh, my goodness. It's been a minute. Hey, yes. Um, how, you doing? I, I, how you doing? Yeah, we're, we're live right now. And I was just saying. Uh, today is National Sorry Charlie Day, and um, basically, it's to uh, you're supposed to reflect on times you've been rejected, either by a love interest or by a prospective employer or whatnot. And um, Jen was just talking about how she was rejected when she sent in a movie. And she thought it, she was like the next Spielberg, and they told her, "Nah, you need to keep staying in school for now." <laughs> you know. Oh man, that sucks. Man, yeah. I don't know. That's wow. I mean, do y'all have we? It's only a couple hour show, isn't it? Like, um, y'all, y'all not gonna be able to get through my list. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, well, we're just sharing one, one. Um, uh, do you have one, a rejection? It could be romantic. It could be, like I said, business. It could be whatever. Oh, sure. I mean, before, <clears throat> there, there are certain uh, times in my life where I've gone through a personal transformation um, of sorts, one of which was my transformation from being engaged in the corporate world uh, to the now creative you know, actively creative life I lead. And uh, back in the corporate world, 
yeah, there was like layoff after layoff for about, ooh, I'd say gotta be three, four years um, at one point. And, you know, I mean, that that just tore it for me. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's, it's called either I'm gonna keep uh, subjecting myself uh, to that rejection and keep running up against the wall, you know? Um, qualified as I was, stellar uh, customer service background that I have, and, uh, you know, I was just disposable. And uh, and I chose to empower myself by no longer being disposable at somebody else's will. Amen. That's what I'm so, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking so, about. yep. I love it. Um, okay, I have one, and I, I'm going to go the other route. I'm going to go uh, um, like a boy-girl thing. So Relationship? Yeah. So it's like the first, like, I, you know, I graduated high school, and I, and I went to uh, community college after high school. And, you know, so now I'm an adult now, you know. And I'm like feeling myself, right? <laughs> so I actually had to catch the bus that day to go to my first day of school because my car was like broken or broke down or something. And um, so I had to catch the bus. So I had to take like about three buses to get to the school. So I, um, so I, I, I take the bus and um, I get off at the first stop and I see this girl and she's really cute, right? So I go, okay. Foine. Yeah. F-O-I-N-E, foine. She was. She was very foine, as you say. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling myself, right? I'm, I'm, no, I'm not a high schooler no more, right? So I, go, <laughs> so I go over to her, and I'm all like, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I, I forgot what I said to her, but I, you know, I, I, I came on to her. And old girl shot me down. She machine gun shot me down. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So, you know, we, we both get on the bus and uh, we keep going. And, you know, I'm like in the back of the bus and she's up in the front of the bus. It's like, oh, man. So, I'm, so I get off and I have to switch buses. So I'm like, oh, God, you know, you know, thank God we're not going. Thank, thank God we're not going to the same place. So. So I get to my first class and I sit in there in, in the class and I had to sit up in front cause I was running a little late and there was only one other seat available. And what did you know? That girl, she, she walks in to the, uh, to the class and there's no other seat, but the one right next to me. <laughs> and we had, we had just had that, you know, the, so she, it is funny. She looked, because we didn't, I guess we just we just went different routes to get to the same place, and she looked like, oh really, this guy is there, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> so she sits right next to me, and then that, and then the, they decided to have it like this is your seat. That's how they decided to do it. It's like now from this point forward, this is where you're going to be sitting at. So they did assign seats. So she's sitting right next to me, and I'm, like, embarrassed. I want to climb underneath my chair, right? <laughs> but there's a happy ending, though, in this. Uh, eventually, 
we did go out. So she, you know, once she got to know that, you know, I'm a cool cat and all of that stuff, then she changed up a little bit. So, uh, you know, so in, in the, at the end, it worked out. So but that was, I mean, in, what was that? That was like indirect persistence. Kente. I don't know. Like <laughs> the relationship guys were kind of like, no, you're not done with him yet. <laughs> I, yeah. Like I tell you at the time though, I was like, oh my God, this is embarrassing. Cause uh, I had just, you know, you know, cause you know, when I don't know if you ever like feel real, feel real good. And then something happens and it kind of is like, yeah, you calm down, buddy. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's kind of what happened with me. Like I I was kind of feeling myself and then that, that, uh, you know, that happened, but you know, it was one of, you know, later she said that, uh, I later, she said that, you know, she was just focused on school and stuff. So she wasn't really trying to, you know, do anything. So that's, so she said it wasn't really me like that. So, so I'll go. I mean, you know, you, you gotta own that. See that, see, she say that, you know, and I don't even know if you're still friends with this person. So no, no, if I've crossed the side, but like, you know, if if you say no, just own that. You can own that. You know, you don't have to say yes. You know, brother, but you know what though? What was she? Once she got to know me and realized I was a cool cat, then you know she had to. You know she was like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta date this guy, right? So gotta get a kid today, huh? You know, that's how that's how it be. So, so uh, I'm sure if she was heard this or something, she'd be like, ah, that's not how it went. Uh, (laughs) uh, No, but we did we did you know date a little bit. So, so okay. But anyway, so that's that. Um, also, uh, we're talking, you know, we're talking about, uh, today being uh, national, sorry, Charlie day. It's also national caramel popcorn day. So national it, in, um, it, it says, uh, in January, we celebrated national popcorn day. Now we add delicious caramel popcorn to the calendar. One of America's favorite snacks for many people, this chewy caramel popcorn treat is an all-time favorite. Combining popcorn and molasses began in the early 1800s. Wow, I didn't realize that. Caramel was common uh, as well with the production of Cracker Jack. Uh, The popularity was ever-increasing. There are many commercial brands and forms of caramel corn uh, available in grocery stores, cinemas, and convenience stores. There's also specialty brands available in stores, gift catalogs, and online. How to observe. Give us, It says uh, use that hashtag, Caramel Popcorn Day, to post on social uh, media. And it says give us a, a, a recipe. And it says, history, our research was unable to find the founder of National Popcorn Day. It, look, it could have been me, because I love caramel popcorn. That That's like one of my favorite things. Original Popcorn Day, I mean, that could have been a Redenbacher special right there. You know, you never know. Jim Pop, one of them, back in the 80s, probably was like, yep, it's National Popcorn Day. <laughs> they just decided on it. You know how I'm... I'm totally in America, okay just pick a throw a dart at the calendar and be like, "Yep, today's that day." <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my God, that sounds delicious. Yeah, I was gonna say Cracker Jack was my jam, man. Mm, oh, I, I love it. Yeah, 
What, what about you, Jen? Do you like uh, caramel corn? Oh, my God. Moose munch is one of my most favorite things ever. Ooh. Oh, we can we can all party together. I'm serious. Oh, I'm, serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, man. I love it, man. Section of the caramel popcorn. Hey, I'm okay. with it, okay? Uh, you know, um, uh, there's this thing. Now, they sell it everywhere, but Chicago seems to have the best one where they have this popcorn where it's like caramel popcorn and then cheese popcorn. And I remember I used to, like, um, my sister lives in Chicago. And when my sister would come to town, my uncles would always want their popcorn. And at the time, I thought, cheese popcorn and caramel corn? Like, I don't know about that. And then somehow I got a hold of some, and I've been, man, I love that. That's, like, one of my favorite things. It costs an arm and leg. All that is is salt and sugar, man. Oh, so good. All that is, if you break it down, I mean, think about it. That's all it is. It's salt, extra salt, and extra sugar combined. And And who don't like that? (laughs) So, like, oh, dear. And it's so good. (laughs) It doesn't exactly fit in with my low-carb diet, though. It's really sort of depressing. Regular popcorn, I can do, but caramel popcorn, uh... Tell you what, my new vegan diet, though, so... <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm with it. Send it my way, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, all right. So, um, we're going to... we're Today, we're going to he- heavily focus on Netflix because there is a war raging and shots are being fired. And uh, so, we're going to get to that in, in just a moment, but... Um, I, I just wanted to say before we move on to to that is um, I recently seen two movies. I saw Ready Player One, and I last night I saw the film uh, A Quiet Place. And uh, yes, and uh, so I want to first start off with Ready Player One. Has anyone seen it yet? Not no, as yet. I don't have to it. Either one yet, but okay. I, they are on my list definitely. Is it now? They're both. Uh, well, I'm sorry, not a not a quiet place, but um, Ready Player One is based on a novel. I don't know. Or have you read that one at all? Yeah, I actually, I actually read it, and it, it, it's actually. I, I mean, I was actually kind of surprised that he chose that source material to work from. It's a, it's an okay book. It's not a great book, but it's an okay book. Hmm. Now I hear in the book a lot of the references. They reference him a lot in the book yeah yeah that, that's sort of why it was a little bit odd but he didn't but he he took like he took uh a lot of the references that were in the book of him he took it out because he felt like that would be like too much patting himself on the back you know <laughs> like um. well Steven Spielberg is not exactly in the market for, you know, self-aggrandizement. He's definitely uh, a much more, um, I don't want to call him humble. I don't think he's humble, but I think he's he's way more sort of down to earth about his approach to himself. Mm. I've never noticed him to be, you know, he, he's no Sir John <laughs> <laughs> to reference our terror material from before. <laughs> yeah. he, you know what, though? Like, okay, it was a good movie. You know, it wasn't great. Like, 
I, I'm gonna say this about Steven Spielberg, and you can, sh- you guys can shoot me all you want. I feel like he hasn't made anything great, truly great, since Minority Report. I feel like mm-hmm. his movies are never bad or rarely bad. I haven't seen War Horse or what was it, BFG? But all of his other movies are like, it's like he's a professional filmmaker, right? He he can put together a movie with it, you know, in his sleep. You know what I mean? But his movies now are just like, you know, like it's almost it feels like to me like you know when you buy like a crib from IKEA, you know, he just opens the box, puts it together. You know, like IKEA furniture is nothing special about it, but it'll get the job done to a certain degree. Your baby ain't going to die in it. At least I hope he don't or she don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you Kente, did you see the post? I saw the post. And did you, you felt that way about the post? It was too? good. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. The what's the but one you Bridge still of Lies? It was IKEA. Yeah, I like Bridge of Lies was good. It was I, he doesn't make bad movies. He makes very competent films that are good. Well, the, la- the last good one that I saw from him, I no, not a good one, because I thought The Post was really good, but the last one that is sort of sticks out in my memory as being awesome was Lincoln. You know, I just thought Lincoln was good. Like, when he was but young... The, but, I, but I think that that was more Daniel Day-Lewis than right. it was Steven Spielberg. I mean... Maybe he had the foresight to bring Daniel Day Lewis in, but I feel like that that film was carried by Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Can you believe he wanted Liam Neeson first, and his backup was Daniel Day Lewis? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, for real. That, yeah. For real. Now wait, now wait a minute. I love piece of Liam Neeson, but could you at least start with the dude that did Dances with Wolves? Like. <laughs> but just <laughs> and already touch on the Civil Era War Era. Can we do that, please? <laughs> I I promise you. You look it up. He uh, Liam Neeson couldn't do it, so his backup was, you know, um, uh, Daniel Day Lewis, which is hilarious. I mean, must have been like, you know, all in the, keeping it all in the fam at that point. Like Liam, he's filming something right now, now isn't he? Send him the letter anyway, like ask him <laughs> and he'll just say no because he's got a conflict. And then, yep, we'll be all right with Daniel Day because, you know, maybe they don't get along or something. <laughs> or we want to film by not asking him first. I don't know. I mean, you know how those, I mean, you know better than me. You're out there in that uh, uh, geopolitical environment uh, out there right. that sometimes there's an ugly head. So. Who knows? Um, but that's interesting. Liam's a, a, a really good actor. You know, I mean, before he became the action guy, he, you know, he was a he was a solid action. I mean, a solid uh, dramatic actor. But he ain't no Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> you know, like no. Daniel Day Lewis is like uh, one of the greatest yeah, of all time. He's played he's played some European. Did he play Stalin? He played some European. Uh, figurehead from like the 1940s or something i forget what movie that was but i'm like yeah i just not a great fit but not a great fit. Paul, what was it paul thomas anderson the the one who did phantom thread and there will be blood yeah yeah uh, they asked him what his uh secret to making so many great movies he said uh hire daniel day lewis <laughs> it's the lead <laughs> Wow, I mean, at least he keeps the one hundred. You know, oh damn. 
Yeah, See, now I'm thinking, now I'm thinking how much better would Les Miserables the movie have been if it had been Daniel Day-Lewis as Jean Valjean instead of Liam Neeson? Wow. <laughs> you know, we should make this a whole thread. We could totally go through every Liam Neeson movie, insert Daniel Day-Lewis and think, would it be better with him or not? You know I what? mean, I <laughs> you know what? I'm like, the day is all intense and whatnot, like Jean Valjean was, but like the singing part, I mm, I don't know. No, he no, might no, be great. The he one Liam Neeson was in was not that was no singing in that one. That was, oh, just, was just a straight adaptation. You know what I want to see of, though? Uh, you're thinking, thinking of Hugh Jackman, right? Hugh Jackman. Jackman. Yeah. You know what I want to see though? Because he because Phantom Thread was supposed to be his last movie. Hopefully that's not true, uh, but. I would like to see him do something stupid, like you know, something that you would just not expect, you know, because like I just think that'd be funny just to see like a like a, a stupid comedy or something, you know, just to see like how really how far his range is, you know, like. Well, I, I have a I got a great idea. I'll pitch Dude Where's My Car Three, <laughs> and we'll stick him in Dude Where's My Car Three. <laughs> <laughs> he would oh, probably so, kill it. Craig did the uh, panel. Craig did. Um, oh, he did that. Lucky, movie Lucky, with, uh, uh, Lucky something. Lucky Logan. Yes, yes. Oh, ooh, or oh, him play the Joker. What about Daniel Day Lewis as the Joker in Batman? Oh, dear. Ooh. No, no. See, I think he would run with that. I think he would yes. actually smoke that role. I think so yep. too. Yeah, he'll go and believe. Yeah, he'll be. And then you know he's so method. He would. Can you picture living with him as he as he's playing the Joker? <laughs> you know, like because oh he takes it home with him and everything. You know, mm. so yeah, that's okay. So the other movie I saw was A Quiet Place, uh, and I didn't even know until the movie was over that John. Well, how do you say his name? Krasinski is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that he had he wrote, uh, wrote it and um, produced it. Uh, as well, of course, star in it with his uh, wife, Emily Blunt. Um, first of all, it's a, a very, very good movie. Uh, it's really, really well done. Uh, his wife, Emily Blunt, kills it. She is so good. She's so good as as his wife, uh, the mother of the kids. Uh, the kids are great. You know, like every time when when they come up with these kids who just kill these roles, uh, you yeah. know, it just blows me away. I, 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 and the kids were great. And he, you know, he was really good as well. Um, you know, it's a really good movie. Now, there are some parts where you're like, really? Like, you know the premise, right? You guys know the premise of the film? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, for the audience, I'll say the premise. And I'm not going to spoil it. But the premise of the film is that this is, in, in the near future, it's kind of like a... Um, uh, post-apocalyptic type thing uh, there's these creatures that exist and if you make a sound they'll come out of nowhere and just like kill you so you have to be totally quiet like all the time you can't talk you can't make any noises because the minute you do that they just come out of nowhere and they're coming to kill you right now right Great premise, you know, and it's cool the way they play. Like uh, the like the first like a long stretch of the movie, there's no talking at all. It's just you know, and they do a great job, you know. 
Um, they do an excellent job with that. And, uh, but you got to call it BS too. Cause it's like, okay. Cause I, I'm, apparently they can't see. Right. So, but it's just funny to me how, like, how can they be like everywhere? You know what I mean? <laughs> like you fart somewhere. They're just going to come out of nowhere and get you. Like that's kind of BS. Well, you know? <laughs> well that's, that's, I mean, that's all the reason in the world to just keep to yourself, man. You got to hold that back in. You better hold it in. <laughs> you're going to ass bit, okay? <laughs> I mean, I you better not cool snore. That, <laughs> you, that. you snore, you die. <laughs> You know, we seem to be on a roll with this in terms of uh, what the horror genre kind of, you know, people seem to pick up on certain threads over uh, certain, you know, eras of time. We are right now in the middle of uh, stuff about sensory deprivation because the yes. uh i don't want to say it wasn't really like a cult classic or anything it obviously it's even hasn't even been that long but don't breathe was really popular among a huge circle of horror fans very good movie so yeah it, it was it was actually pretty interesting uh it was a good premise for a movie same i, I, I have a, a feeling movie. it's sort of the same thing with a quiet place but wasn't there another one recently too that sort of dealt with this very same thing like um, if you move you die or something I, I can't remember. I, I know that, that I had like a, a running list of a couple that have been uh, released recently that all sort of deal with that same thing of some kind of sensory deprivation. Pretty interesting. Well, yeah, I'm looking up on uh, Wiki right now. List of films featuring the deaf and hard of hearing. Um, I'm trying to see here. Yeah, I'll 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 continue. Uh, scrolling here, just a sign gene is one. Um, I've never heard of that one actually. Oh, I, I know what I was thinking. I was thinking of uh, of The Shape of Water, where the main oh. character is yes. mute. She can't yes, speak. Yes, I saw that. Yes, yeah, ma'am. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And, it was, and I have to say, I feel like, especially because it was coming from um, Gamble del Toro, that it it was it, it it was almost a, a prequel to the Hellboy series, uh, in my view, because the creature, the amphibian creature that they had captured, was very much like uh, Abe Sapien. Yeah, good you know, point. Uh, you know, a friend of mine told yeah. me that he was eating a fillet of fish sandwich, and then when the shower scene happened, he just threw it away. He couldn't eat it no more. I just gotta say this I just gotta say this out loud you just like to make fun of that movie I, there's just no two ways about it it's not it's, I get it I get it you know we all I haven't have seen it yet I get I've, it but you just yet. love to pick on that movie well you know what is I, I, I'm jealous cause I don't want to lose out on women to fish creatures gotta <laughs> 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 like I go hit on a girl and she's like, Oh, I have a boyfriend. Uh and then oh here's this picture and it's like this fish dude. <laughs> it's like, oh wow. I mean, I thought it was it was strangely I mean as soon as um and spoiler alert, as soon as I saw her pleasuring himself, I was like, Oh my snap. This is gonna take like a different <laughs> turn. <laughs> I really thought 
And I was like, what? I mean, I was rooting for the both of them at that point. Like, yeah, you better get it on. Come on. And I thought it was so cute. Um, way that she described how they how they got together through her hand signing. Like, oh my gosh. Like, poor Octavia was like, I just, like, I could just see the gears turning in her character's face. When she- see, thank you. I, I thought that that was pretty brilliant myself. I, I liked I that. I thought that that was actually really good. That was well, well done. You will okay. get. You will more than likely get your my your chance to question me on what I think about it, because I have a, a a segment that I wanted to introduce, where we take turns suggesting films, and um, that we'll watch it that week, and then by the, you know the next week we'll we'll talk about the film. Now, I was going to suggest maybe a little you know newer film. I mean older films, but that's fine. Uh, it can, you know, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So, I think that'll be a fun thing to do. So, I've been yeah, I've been watching a lot of older movies. Well, when I say older, not even that old. Like, those obscure movies from, like, the 90s, the 80s, like, the thrillers. Like, they don't make those no more. Not really. Like, um, mm. like remember movies like, uh, I call them um, beware of movies. Like, Pacific Heights. You know, where it's like, beware oh, yeah. of, of your tenant. Or yeah. single white female, beware of that your uh, roommate, or um, fatal attraction, beware of that woman you're cheating on your wife with, you know, <laughs> like like a lot of those kind of movies. You know, they used to make those movies like a lot, uh, and I've been watching like a lot of those kind of movies. Uh, there was a movie called Shattered, a Wolfgang Peterson movie, which was like a thriller movie that came out I think in the '90s or something like that. I watched that recently. I remember it being good. Uh, the hand that rocks the cradle. The hand that rocks the ra- cradle. Beware of that of your babysitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Rebecca oh, Mornay yeah. almost hit me once years ago. Uh, so uh, when I realized uh, that that was who it was, I I started to rock her cradle. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh dear! Nah, nah, I'm like was... you know, just be, basically just beware of suburbia. At right. this point, you know what I mean? Like, I felt like, are y'all trying to scare people away from, like, moving in the suburbs? What are you doing? Because I'm like, like, even, um, oh, gosh, what was the Tom Hanks movie? The Burbs. The Burbs. The Burbs. Yeah, was that it? was a good one. Yeah. One take on that, you know. But, like, ever since that movie, it felt like, yeah, you're kind of right. They, they used to make movies like that all the time. And, I mean, Pacific Heights, I mean, just. Just do that background check first. I, I you mean, know just, what? Just, That's the reason yeah. why I don't I don't let people stay with me. <laughs> that movie. <laughs> that is the reason, okay? Because Michael Keaton, I would have killed him, <laughs> okay? <laughs> he would have died. He tried that crap on me. I would have killed him. <laughs> yeah. I'd have been like, oh yeah, yeah. You thought you were slick. Yeah, you know, you're not slick now. You're dying. <laughs> you're not slick now you're dying oh but yeah, they, they make a lot of they used to make those those movies back in the day and I remember I used to eat those things up like candy so uh, it'll be good to it'll be good to go back and then a lot of these sci-fi movies of the back in the day like Invasion of the Body Snatchers uh, you know they've they've made like that what about five times I think they have the the one in the 50s 
which is you know the you know the classic invasion of the body snatchers. They have my favorite one in the seventies, Sarah O'Donnell Sutherland, with the famous final you know the final scene. Spoiler alert. And oh, then, yeah. then they had Body Snatchers oh. in '93, and then they had Invasion in '07 with uh, Nicole Kidman and um, and uh, Daniel Craig. So yeah, I, I kind of agree with you because I feel like we've kind of evolved in downward in a spiral to the likes of like uh, fill in the blank of the dead. Right. Um, I, and I love my zombie, don't, don't, my zombie, uh, genre, but oh my goodness, can we make yet another of the dead? Um, right. and, uh, and, and Sharknado, uh, I think we're up to like Sharknado 8 and I'm like, okay, blessings on who, I don't even know who the creators of that are. God, God bless you. You have gotten your movies made, man. I, or, or woman. Whoever it is that that is that's been writing up the Sharknados and getting them made. <laughs> Man, they, I, they, I just, they print yeah. money with those. So, okay, so yeah. so let's let's get to our main topic, um, and uh, for this we're gonna go to the one and only Jen, and I, I think we're gonna start off with the the Can versus uh, Netflix. Well. <clears throat> Uh, at some point, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what day it was, whether it was today or whether it was yesterday, but Cannes Film Festival came out with a rule that said that uh, in order to compete in Cannes or in order to have a distribution in Cannes, that your film had to have a theatrical distribution in France. In it's an it was an interesting move by them. That's sort of even that's even further off topic, but it is kind of interesting what they're trying to do there. But it basically created a huge problem for Netflix, who clearly is not going to have any theatrical distribution anywhere. And so Netflix threatened basically to withhold any film from cons, which I. I'm, I'm, there, there's a part of this that sort of mystifies me and I, I'm trying to get my sort of head around it, right? Why does Netflix have any pull with cons at all? That's one. I, I don't quite understand what sort of is there, except that I think that Netflix uh, may be sort of in a wider production um, piece so stuff gets basically produced and then sent around or shopped around to film festivals, but ultimately the uh, the stream is just with Netflix. So they're only going to get released uh, on Netflix. They're not going to have theatrical distribution. Um, but the, but because that because of that sort of uh, because now they are um, they're. Basically, they won't be in consideration. That also means that they won't get any accolades for anything that they do that's, you know, above and beyond what we normally see. It means that they're not going to get recognition for a lot of the things that I think that they possibly could get recognition for. But the, I have a lot of questions about this still. The, the idea that, that, a, that Netflix as a and we have to call them a major production studio now. Well, mm. maybe Netflix isn't the production studio, but let's let's call Netflix a major production house, right? Like they're on par with a 
uh, an old Universal or an old 20th Century Fox. I mean, they're really moving up there. It's difficult for me to understand why there is such hesitation on, let's call it, the old school way of doing things, not to see that streaming media is really the way that we are moving in the future. I, it's, I always feel like these fights are sort of like uh, almost uh, Cold War fights in arts. Like, you know, it's the old versus the new. It's the East versus the West. And it's so ridiculous because art is art. It's not, you don't get to dissect it and say, well, this is good art because it comes from here. And this is bad art because it comes from here. That is the very definition, I think, of uh not just bad business practices, but it's so bad for the art community. It's so bad for the movie community in general. So now, I, chime in. Tell me what you think. Okay. Uh, I want to bring in what Spielberg said, and I'm going to uh, build off of that. Now, I kind of uh, slammed uh, Spielberg earlier, so I'm going to give him a little bit of a pat on the back with this. So this comes from um, VanityFair.com. It says, count Steven Spielberg among the cinematic luminaries who have a bone to pick with Netflix. In an interview with ITV News, the Oscar-winning filmmaker weighed in on an ongoing debate. Uh, Let me scroll down. It says, uh... Steven Spielberg thinks that movies that go straight to streaming are a clear and present danger to filmgoers and shouldn't be permitted to compete for an Academy Award. And And here's a direct quote. Once you commit to a television format, you're a TV movie. He declared... A good show might deserve an enemy. (laughs) A good show might deserve an Emmy, but not an Oscar. And it says, apparently, the director does not like uh, Netflix Oscar strategy. When the streaming platform acquires and produces a viable prestige movie, Netflix will give the film a limited theatrical release in order to qualify it for various award season circles, especially the Academy, then makes it available for streaming or has it debut on streaming the same day as it premieres. Soberg, who has won three Oscars and joined the Academy Board of Governors in 2016, doesn't doesn't think that's nearly enough. Now, okay, okay, I agree with him. Like he, like he said, look, Netflix makes wonderful movies and TV shows, right? But if they were made specifically for uh, TV, which Netflix is, technically it's not even really TV, but I think it's more TV than anything, it is a TV movie. So a Lifetime movie doesn't get, you know, a Lifetime movie may be good, (laughs) right? A Lifetime movie might be good, but it's a TV movie, so... That's why Lifetime movies don't get, they get up for Emmys, even though I don't think they, when's the last time they won an Emmy? Uh, not an Oscar. I mean, I actually kind of agree. It's, it's kind of seems like it is kind of cheating the system a little bit. Now, were there some movies, like, especially their documentaries, that was as good as anything, you know, and some and their movies too, as good as anything in the film, in the theater? I agree. But I do believe that a film that is, made to be put into a theater like really ser- like not just you know for a, a week I think 
it is different than uh, a TV show or a movie that's made made to be purely seen on a streaming streaming device. Right. I think um, I think it it really it at least at the very least touches upon the deeper issue. Okay, between uh, with the divide between traditional Hollywood and independent film. I'll start there. Because, you know, you and I are very familiar with independent filmmaking. Mm -hmm. You know, we created, we co-created, we've collaborated with folks um, who had a budget, didn't have a budget, but still made awesome content despite that fact. And I feel like he he's he's bristling more, I think, personally, at the fact that anything on Netflix could possibly be compared to the blood, sweat, and tears that he and similar colleagues have put in in the traditional way of storytelling. Million dollar budgets. Coordinating uh, ensembles of A-list characters, all that, you know, and more, is it, it factors in. And I, of course, I, I don't know the uh, particular uh, criteria per se. What the Academy uses to, to break down, okay, what rules out one movie over another uh, in each category or whatever. But I'm guessing that part of it was you know, dollars to donut, what, you know, how well the story was told, you know, using what resources that they had. And, um, and, and I feel like Netflix, the Netflixes and the Hulus and the Amazons, this is just a, this is still, in my view, a beginning evolution of, the transition, the fuller transition in towards independent film, because you know, and and subsequently the, the breakdown of traditional Hollywood. Quite honestly, I mean, look, there, there's you know, just as a matter of course, there's so much of old Hollywood that is either God rest their souls dying off, um, moving out of California because geographically it's not stable at times and so now all the a-listers are getting digs in new york and atlanta you know there's real estate uh you know shows uh on cable that go into this you know there's like a mass exodus that's been happening just under the radar for years now you know and as hollywood starts to empty out a little bit you know you've got the younger generation best and brightest coming in and whether or not they get found through traditional Hollywood or not, they've got a YouTube channel. They've got, you know, a Netflix documentary. They've got, you know what I mean? So there's there's that, that deeper undercurrent, I feel like, that just does not sit right with him and, and his colleagues. And, you know, rightfully so. Nobody likes change. Especially when you've been king about so damn long. Hey. <laughs> You know. Although I, I do kind of take a little bit of an exception to to sort of there, there's two 
I mean, it's multi-dimensional. Obviously, there's a lot of facets to this, but I I sort of take exception for with first number one that the streaming platform is an on TV platform only. I, I know that that's how we have the technology to see it. It's in home, right? So I think you I, sort of have to label it as in home. It's not necessarily uh, TV. And, and that's why Emmys, I think, are not necessarily the right route for this. But right. I mean, as an in-home... On demand, you know. Right. Okay. And so we'll use, we'll use on-demands as, as an example. If we are to say that the future... And, I mean, whatever future is existing for movies altogether... And I say this with all the love and dedication... I possibly can as somebody who not just loves movies, but has been heavily invested in the artistic side of creation involved here. We have to move forward in a direction that is going to embrace the technology that we have, embrace the audience as it wants to be, not embrace the audience in a way that says you have to conform to what we're going to show you. So if you're not Ah. willing to come to the theater, then too bad. So so, sorry, Charlie, you don't Ah. get what you want. This to me creates an intrinsic sort of, uh, current a counter current between both of them where one is trying to say we got to pull more audiences into the theaters because if we don't we're going to lose a a fundamental process that we've already got in place and the in-home theater the in-home entertainment is saying no wait a minute if we this is what we've got we're able to consolidate and create uh by doing these productions a market that you would never see. We can market in China. We can market in Argentina. We can market in Peru and Saudi Arabia and God only knows where else. We can market everywhere and you have to get theatrical distribution in order to do that. Your licenses don't let you do this. Uh, there's you know, all kinds of very specific stipulations about stuff. I I feel like what we're having a real conversation about is whether, because this involves cons, right? And so cons is sort of the crossroad for film as an art topic. And if we are not willing to see Netflix productions like Bright, Bright had an A-list actor in it. Oh, yeah. We've had more. There's more. My brain is not quite working in that direction, but there have been plenty of A-list people who've gone to Netflix. Brian Fuller is doing, excuse me, is doing stuff on Netflix right now. Um, they're, uh, what's his name? The guy who does American Horror Story, um, Ryan Murphy. He is off on a contract now with Netflix. So if we don't say that we're willing to allow for the substance of a movie to be defined as something other than how the audience consumes it, then I think we are doing a great disservice to what we call the movies. If I do understand when you have a production budget that is, let's say, you know, under a million dollars, why on television that might seem like, well, yeah, you know, we can get this made and maybe we can do something interesting for this money and, and, and that you don't have kind of all the peripheral stuff around it. But to, but to categorize a, um, a movie as a work of art with all of the things that basically Netflix is putting in by using its feeder production companies 
into mm-hmm. it and and disqualifying them for the both the accolades and the exposure that cons gives i feel like that's actually disingenuous of cons in particular and this the more that i think about this the the rule makes it feel like there is some kind of good old boys club that you must belong to in order to meet the criteria and that to me seems not just exclusionary but it also seems extremely limiting on the part of both filmmakers and producers too how can you possibly believe that this is the best thing for wider audience exposure i personally i just think i i hate to say that i side with netflix but i really do side with netflix this time yeah and you well said oh and you said that so nice i mean they're cock blocking they're cock blocking the the french are are cock blocking yes um yeah for for everything you just stated and uh I mean, think about it. We, and it, it blows my mind that within my lifetime, seeing, you talked about technology that we have available to us now. I mean, people are doing crane shots with drones. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you can go get a drone at Toys R Us. Well, when it was open, at Toys R Us. You know what I mean? Like, holy crap. You know? Um, it, it just... It, it, blows my mind that now that uh, especially uh, you talked about overseas distribution um, countries where traditionally to get their hands on a movie that, that they're just getting their hands on on maybe the the DVDs of movies that came out you know several years back in certain areas you know what I mean like it, it's difficult it's traditionally the traditional uh, distribution has made it so that, you know, continents far and wide have had to wait so long to catch up with us in, in certain respects, um, you know, just due to the economic situation of different nations. And now... Well, some, 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 countries, some countries actually, just, just to interject one point, some countries actually have a limited number of U.S. releases that can be distributed into their country because of economic factors, because they want to not just promote homegrown, but like if you are in the EU, it, there's going to be, uh, there's it, it's a little bit trickier. I, I mean, I know that there's a whole political, not political, there's a whole financial machination behind this, which I am in no way privy to. But I do understand that there are, there are so many sort of little things that come up that would exclude your film from being in a theatrical release in any set number of countries and netflix bridges that gap i I think i I think the bottom line is if, if people aren't willing to play nice with netflix netflix could be in a position very very soon like in the next decade where the people who didn't play nice with Netflix will truly regret it. And I don't mean to say that like in a threatening way. I just mean in a, look, we all know that Netflix is dominating right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and we've got, we're living in an era when, I mean, Disney purchased a major television network. Oh, yeah. uh, From ABC not too long ago. And then now they, they about ready to buy up another one. You know what I mean? Like, that blows my mind because growing up in New York, you know, 
it, there was I, I had that 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 TV that only had you know the dial that went around to you know uh, t- uh, 10, 11, 12 channels. You know what I mean? Like that blows my mind because growing up there was that limit at least on the TV side on the dial of what what you had access to as a consumer, and now that there's just so many series and films that are so readily available on uh, mobile devices and and similar, you know, now that that field is so wide open, you would think that their minds would be more open to the fact that, yeah, Netflix is is a serious, you know, platform uh, for art. And, you know, I wonder if Netflix is getting this uh, treatment now. Can take on the Hulu's and the Amazons. Like what? I, I don't see. I'm, I'm my, just scanning through. My thing is, I, look, I'm a big proponent of Netflix. They make some of the best stuff. But to me, the Academy Awards is films that are in theaters. Look, they have the Emmys. They have what is the other thing? The Golden Globes. They have Golden those. Globe. Yeah, they have those. If Netflix wants their movies in, in getting Academy Awards, then they should be in theaters. That's no, what no, they need to be. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. First of all, the Golden Globes are that's that's voted on differently. That's not voted on the same way that the Academy Awards are voted on, right? The Academy Awards are voted on by the by the arts and motion, the arts and science motion picture, right? I mean, like, there's an actual board. We, you know, that's right. I that's know why that. Steven Spielberg is talking out about it, but. Uh, but okay but just just hear me out one sec if if you say and and i really think that this is something that we sort of all have to decide for ourselves at this point if you say that the production of uh of a movie on netflix like uh well i hate to use bright because that's a bad example it did get such great critic accolades but it let's let's take Let's take a let's take any movie Beast on Netflix no that's been a Netflix original. Beast of No Nations. Uh, there we go. Oh, that's a perfect one. Okay, so let's take that and say if that and that did get an appearance at cons. So if you say that that as a movie is not worthy of critical accolades by the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences in the same way, simply. Because of the venue yes. that it was chose that it was chosen to be, then that to me says something. See, because what you're doing is you're minimizing the no. art form. You're tell you're saying to the art form, as an example, I'll I'll give you a you know you know Susan Sarandon right, right. the the person who tried to win an Emmy for years and years and years that you cannot uh, no, Susan, compete um, with the same Susan kind Lucci. of. Uh, uh, Susan Lucci. The, mm, I'm sorry, Susan Lucci. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, if you say okay, <clears throat> so Gordon Ramsay's cooking shows, right? They're on the same par as Beast of No Nations. I, I don't think you can work that way. I think you have to be willing to look at the way that the movie is created instead of looking at where the movie was shown. So if you want to put production values on, there's certain stipulations and and benchmarks that you must meet in order for this movie to be considered by the Academy, then I'm all for that. 
But if you start saying, we're not going to consider you because of the venue that you've chosen to show your movie, that mm-hmm. to me feels like, it almost feels like censorship. No, that feels not at all. That's like saying if, if NBC makes a movie that's awesome, super duper awesome, that they should be considered for uh, a Oscar. No. NBC, uh, we don't even question it because we understand that it's television. So I, even, I, I think that's fundamentally wrong. HBO, I, think it's, I think we need like, to. I think we need to evolve and change. No, no. There's a TV yeah. awards, and then there's there's a film awards. They're two different things. They're not the same. That's like saying they're just Here's not the why. same. Think about it though. Why is it not the same? It's only not the same because of the venue that you've chosen to use to produce to 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 distribute. It, it, it has nothing to do with the technical values. It has nothing to do with the resources used. It has nothing to do with whether or not the script writing was fabulous or whether it was shot in Hollywood or Canada. or No, it has nothing to do with that. It is simply because of the venue that you've chosen. And I can guarantee you that no person who is a director looks at getting a, a Golden Globe the same way that they look at getting an Academy Award. It is just but this isn't by um, itself. But this isn't uh, this isn't like a little league where everybody gets a uh, everybody gets a um, trophy. No, you get a shot. There's still only one winner, Kinte. You don't get it. You don't get any. I don't you, don't, think... you get no. You get no special privileges just because you're Netflix. But I you get a shot. They don't you deserve a shot pitch. unless that That's film it. is in a theater. It needs to be in a theater at least. Uh, I think more than a week. Come on now. Uh, well, I'll tell you uh, what. The are interesting as well as we're talking about this. I'm looking up the eligibility rules for the Golden Globes, uh, and which states, quote, films must be at least 70 minutes and released for at least a seven-day run in the greater Los Angeles area starting prior to midnight on December 31st. Films can either be released in theaters, on pay-per-view, or digital delivery. Boom. Boom. That's a golden um, globe, though. So I, if, I uh, think the Academy should adopt that exact same kind of rule. I don't rule. think so. I That's think it needs to be special. Say, like, if the Golden Globes can do that, so what? So anybody that gets a Golden Globe, uh, you know, and, and it's an unspoken thing. You know, what looks better on a resume, a Golden Globe or an Academy Award? I get it. They need to get their movie. That's the way traditional Hollywood has created its own hierarchy. Well, they've created a caste system. It's a caste system of of the elitists versus the people. And, I mean, indie film has been struggling with this for years. It's only been in the past decade or less that indie films have kind of come up from nowhere. No, they have always been there. They have been struggling with this very same issue forever. They they compete on an unlevel playing field consistently because of the benchmarks that are set by the film festivals. And it and honestly, to me, this is exactly the heart of why Hollywood fails so hard all the time because they are not willing to change because they want to stand on some kind of old memory of the way it was instead of changing and saying, 
let's figure this out. Let's move so that we can embrace the technology that's here and go with it. And it's funny that you quoted it as the old boys network because you know that network used to be run by old guys, right? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Harvey Weinstein. <clears throat> he who shall not be named. You know, um, yeah, he's got Voldemort status at this point. Terry sure does. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah. Um, I think that uh, I, I think that evolution is coming, whether or not Hollywood is prepared or not, whether they rail against it or not. Quite honestly, um, there's just there's just too far a field of you know potential um, in, especially in independent film. I mean, it's getting to the point where big blockbuster type budgets are trying to claim their independent film. You know what I mean? Like yes. how do you how how you strive to be like I'm slumming, therefore I am cool. You know what I mean? Like, okay, make up your make up your mind. <laughs> do do you do you, you know, wanna be classified as independent or traditional blockbuster? Well the the reason is the the reason is because they've loosened up a lot of the uh stipulations that were set around indie films in the past, I'm going to say the past decade. It's, it's, it's actually a little bit less, but you know, they have made some fairly major advances so that indie films can compete and become very competitive, especially at the film festivals. And it, it, it's an amazing thing. I mean, people, the, anybody who is shopping for uh, something to produce or to, to bring to a major theatrical release will go to the film festivals and go, this deserves a shot. Let's give it a shot. This is amazing. And the, 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 the thing that we're missing in, in between all of these is that it's like it doesn't matter whether something is less than this or more than this. What matters is that the movie itself has some inherent value to it that people widely will want to see that there's some artistic value to it that there's some content value to it that it is something uh embracing for a segment of the population and the look we can't produce everything but netflix has a they've got a formula going for production that works and to and to to not give them a seat at the table, it just feels incredibly disingenuous. It just feels like it, it, I mean, a long time ago in the, well, I won't even say the golden age of Hollywood, but a long time ago, Hollywood uh, studios used to compete with each other and try to beat each other up all the time. And this is exactly what I'm seeing right now. I'm just seeing Hollywood versus Netflix, and it's like it's the same exact spirit. I think Netflix, I mean, it, Netflix is not I, a kid who's getting bullied by the, Netflix will be okay. They got their billions of dollars. They're not like some little... <laughs> stop it, you guys. I mean, let me pull out the violins for poor Netflix. Poor Netflix in there. They're... They're one of the one percenters. What are you talking about? Netflix is no, not a no, little engine no, that could. Don't get me wrong, Kinte. Kinte, I'm, <laughs> I'm, there's a part of me that is that like wants to separate Netflix itself from the very productions. As an example, like you know, when I go to see uh, or when next you'll be saying Amazon Prime, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I wasn't going to see a New Line Cinema movie. I was going to see. Freddy Krueger. I wanted to see a Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street. It's not like mm-hmm. I go to the movies so that I can see New Line or 
you know, whatever. That's not where I'm think of is maybe Blumhouse Productions because I love everything that they do. But other than that kind of mentality, most people aren't going to the movies to go see their favorite production company do something. They're going to the movies because they know that there's something about that movie that's awesome. And so can if I, you can, look at the can Netflix... I, can I interject something real quick? If you look at, what? Can I interject real, something real quick? Yeah. Do you know who Reed Hastings is? Not familiar. It's familiar. He is the chairman and CEO of Netflix, right? Right. Okay. okay. His net worth is two point three billion dollars. Damn. Yeah, I'm not sorry. I don't feel sorry for Reed Hastings. He's gonna be okay. But it's, no, but again, it's not for him. It's for the okay. So if you're working on a production, if you are pouring your soul into a Netflix original and you are one of the people who is uh, an up and coming artist and you get zero accolades just because you were on Netflix do you not see how that could possibly be or feel ex- exceptionally exclusionary look I mean, there are people that are behind the cameras there's people that are yeah. running the catering I mean we're not looking at just like it's not just Reed Hastings that's making the money. It's everybody behind it who's putting their heart and soul into a production. And here you come along and say, well, you don't actually count as a movie because the venue you've chosen to be uh, to, to have to basically give you release to the public is Netflix. The, to me, that again, it just feels like it. It feels wrong. It just feels wrong. I mean, you know, it, as far as. Uh you know, how evolved or not, um, you know, the format is that is is distributed. I mean, at the end of the day, they even still pad their numbers when they're talking numbers of sales and distribution. A lot there's been articles about this, too, that they'll pad the numbers with numbers that are international. Numbers that are international. And then but then at the same time, how do you uh, restrict the venue type or format or platform that you would qualify for an award nomination from the Academy? Meanwhile, they're getting around a couple, like an eligibility rule or two, because there is that, you know, growth. Um, you know, number of sales, that gross dollar amount that comes in from said distribution. And and point of fact, a lot of times, at least uh, within the past five to ten years, um, they've, they've cited that there are films that have done better overseas than they've done here no- locally, domestically. And so you wonder, oh, well, interesting. Well, you know, I guess uh, that, you know, theme song that they won for was really, really great to have them circumvent such that eligibility somehow. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a model that no longer fits as yes. well as. That's a good point. It's it, right. It's a model that no longer has uh, a, a real world relevance. <laughs> I, I, that I totally agree with. You know, so yes, I, I mean, I, I'm, I might have been, 
I, I don't know how it would have felt, for example, if a movie as iconic as Black Panther had come out straight to, to certainly if it came out straight to DVD, I would have been like, fuck all, man. This needed the more, much more publicity like it did when, as it was distributed in the, in the traditional way where it was released in theaters and it had an international plus domestic release and stuff like this. You know, some of the most iconic but, stuff. You don't want it going straight to DVD or straight to Netflix. Eh, you know, there's still but, this even consumer mentality where, ah, if, if um, you know, we used to joke about this all the time on our other show, Kente, didn't we? Oh, would yeah. you stand in line to see it in the theater or would you wait for it to come on to Netflix? That right there is that hierarchy, that unspoken yeah. hierarchy. Okay, yes, we're, but but we're, but that's changing. That is changing dramatically like because we though. are talking not about something that you're waiting for it to come onto Netflix because it's already been produced and and uh, and distributed but elsewhere. I like right? the hierarchy. Net, we're though. talking. We're actually talking about Netflix originals, things that were only produced just to be shown on Netflix. But look, though, I love a hierarchy. Look. There is a hierarchy in life. Everybody's not share. Everybody's not Jen. Those are y'all are a hierarchy. Everybody else is below you guys. Okay. You so wait, that, that makes no sense. That no, that makes no. It sense. makes. I'm gonna no. tell you how it makes perfect sense. No, it doesn't. I'm, I'm no, gonna doesn't. tell you how it you, is because what you're saying is that you can, you cannot be as good as something that goes to the theater because you I didn't chose say that. to be produced I didn't by say Netflix. That. I, I didn't disagree. say that. I, I just said that you're just not in our club. You got to oh, go I'm to not another club. club. Not everybody. <laughs> not everybody is Jen. Jen, you got to be a special. You got to be special to be Jen. You got to be special to be Cher. Not everybody. And there's some people that are awesome, but they're just not Cher. They're just not Jen. They're yes, wonderful. Yes, but, they're great. Yes, but, I'll put my arm around them. I'll give them a hug. Determination about who can be uh, my friend. Based no, on I said be you. They've chosen to go to the no, theater. No, or no, no, no. Hear me. No, no, no. I said be you, to actually be you. Wow. Uh, like that's the ultimate just, job right so, there. Just, just, just go so, with it, y'all. Okay. Just go with it. <laughs> you, there's, no, there's no way you're going to make me change my mind. I, I'm not trying I, to make I you change your mind. Art is art, and if you treat art as it's got, as if it's got some kind of uh, exclusion or if it's got some kind of elitism attached to it that you disenfranchise oh, people who <laughs> may bring us the best art possible. They can do simply it. Simply by telling them that they, they can't Hollywood is a, is a closed function. It's closed. It, you, it takes one in a million to get into any any possible role there, but small you know, as it may be. I, so I, I subscribe into the whole burn Hollywood down by though. saying more productions. You know me. Then though. How, how can we? I'm an I anarchist. Like I'm an anarchist. I believe in burning it down. So. Small. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, hey, look, I'll give you another example. Uh -huh. Up in New York, the Paris Theater is an excellent example of this. Right. Right. For you. Long as I can remember, they're specifically set aside for quote unquote limited engagement, limited engagement films, where 
even if they remain in Hollywood, Hollywood decided, eh, it may go over the heads of the normal common folk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they have mainly set it aside as a theater that, you know, issues limited engagement film. Now, if I had not gone specifically to the Paris theater, I would have never seen the uh, version of Hamlet that Kenneth Branagh did, which was brilliant, in my opinion. I would have never been able to see Bride and Prejudice, which I thought as an international film was just the most phenomenal thing I'd seen. It was so it was so engaging. It was it was uplifting. It was raw. It was all of those combined, um, you know, on a, on an international level at that. So uh, you know, it, it it floors me that you know we're still we're still in 2018 battling in a way to bring validity to a platform that is separate from traditional Hollywood releases. Um, you know, again, uh, you know, that, that, that's the clearest example in, in that goes back as far as I can remember that, you know, you kind of had to be in that exclusive little, you know, club to go see and go see it, you know, on a, a abbreviated time span, no less, um, or else you, you weren't able to witness these wonderful pieces of art. And, uh, you know, I feel like if Netflix is opening the, the floodgate in a way, um, you know, not just domestically, but internationally for, for folks of all walks of life to be able to partake in this type of art and, and to see the message that a lot of these iconic films put across I mean, how long, think about it, how long did it take for us in the 2018 to finally have not one, but two movies focused solely for an audience of that, I mean, you would think it's a subculture, the deaf, why, why would this deaf, you know, be so, um, you know, uh, relegated to, as secondary for so long? We're talking about this is, a, and I'm not talking about like uh, additional formats available. Yes, for the impaired. I'm talking. They came out with this movie with the full intention that uh, no subtitles. Um, you had to pop that if didn't hear anything, then I would still get the damn story. Um, it's just solid storytelling. You well, know. I'll say um, this, and, and then we have to, to move on, but. Um, what good is it to be in the Illuminati if everybody can join? Man, uh, in that case, I say burn the Illuminati down. <laughs> Whatever, man. I'm a card carrying member. You know what? At the next meeting, at, at my next Illuminati meeting, member of the Illuminati, it's that there should be no Illuminati. That's the, that's what the, are you yeah, talking about? I, I love being an Illuminati. And you know what? At our next meeting, I'm going to bring you up. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we already know about her. Kinte, 
Kinte, you cannot fool me, okay? You just want to bring me up as an investigation, so you've got a reason to come to Hawaii. I, it's so transparent. I totally get Pretty it. Pretty much. You got it. You actually know. She actually got it. I want them to pay for it. <laughs> okay, so uh, we, now we were going to talk about uh, Netflix original. So I think um, let's do this. Um, let's do a show just purely about it because there's so much stuff to talk about. I am pro Netflix, by the way, I have Netflix. I had it w before it was cool to have it when I would have to explain it to people what it yeah, was. Me too. So I had it when it was not even streaming. Okay. So Netflix been getting my money a long time. <laughs> so, Agree. so, so yep. like before it was sexy, and I remember when I used to have to explain to them what it was. And they're like, that's stupid. That's what I would get. Remember how exciting it was to get a red envelope in the mail? I know, oh my right? God, my new movie came. <laughs> no, but then before they spent money on like hard case mailers, freaking, then you would get the damn uh, DVD broke. So you had to send it back real quick so they could send you a new one. Like, uh, <laughs> and, you know, back when they were first starting out and sending, uh, you know, saving money. And, you know, they were like, no, we're just going to wrap it in paper. Good luck. You know, y'all are only paying us $10 a month. So uh, good luck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Now, now, before we go, I just want to get some uh, information out. And um, let, let's do the, the Netflix original, like, uh, in the next couple of days instead of waiting for ne next Friday. So we can just f figure out when we can do it. We'll talk about the different Netflix originals coming out and the ones that are out that we like. But um, I, this thing just popped up. And have you, have you ever watched a movie that was whack and you wonder, does any, who watches this crap, right? Like Every time my husband roast me into an 80s horror movie. Sorry, horror, <laughs> horror movie, cult classic, lovers. Oh, my God. My husband. I love oh, him. Come on. I, Attack I, of the Killer Tomatoes. I, I like, I like him, too. better than that. Well, to live. Okay. Oh God! But you anyway, know, yeah. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes actually messed me up as a kid because, <laughs> because like, like there was a scene. I think the opening scene is like they're opening a can of tomatoes, can yeah. tomatoes, and then it comes out and kills them. And I'm like, after that, I was scared to open up a can of tomatoes. <laughs> I was like, I that was that's what happens. Oh <laughs> hell no! You can keep the can tomatoes, but uh, okay. You you might be surprised with the number one rented movie to that of uh, 2017, the number one rent uh, most rented movie of 2017. Which was it was Ben Affleck's The Accountant. Oh, God. get out of here! Really? Yes. If you've seen that film, you understand why I'm perplexed. That movie was hot. Uh, that movie was hot garbage. I mean, you know, it was nice that he kind of, you know, uh, took up the banner for those that are functioning autistic, you know, in the working world. I, I mean, that was autistic people didn't uh, like it. But uh, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> you like know the greatest I, I, vote of I actually thought it was one of those movies that he did because you know, he was, um, you know, sometimes you sign a contract and then somehow you find out you have to do this other movie and he was kind of, you know, roped into doing it. I was shocked to find out that this was a movie that he wanted to be in and he seemed pretty excited about because his performance did not show it. 
He was terrible in that movie, and the movie was terrible. It was a wannabe Jason Bourne whatever crap, and they're actually going ahead with a sequel. Uh, but it was the number one rented movie of 2017, so that was just surprising. Oh, if his buddy over there, Matt Damon, I mean, you can't let uh, his buddy over there, Matt Damon, get all the fun. Although, I mean... Shit, he's he Batman. <laughs> he got... He trumped in with Batman. He's Batman and Superman. Did you know now, that? Yeah. That he's Batman he's and Superman. <laughs> he played uh, well, not- Superman in Hollywoodland, and then... Yeah. He, and he's Batman in uh, Batman... What? Batman versus Superman in the Justice League. So he's like, take that. All right, so I'm going to go real quick over the weekend box office uh, for last week. Number 10 was Paul the Apostle. Uh, And real quick, there should be like a rule. Like, if you play Jesus Christ, you can never play another biblical character because that's like a demotion. You know, it's like he's playing Paul the Apostle. It's like, dude, you played Jesus. How are you going to go down to Paul? Like, Paul was cool. Don't get me wrong. He was great. He moved Christianity. You know, I'm cool with Saul Paul. But you played Jesus Christ. How are you playing Paul now? That's confusing. That's too confusing. So Jim Caviezel, you can only play Jesus again in the sequel of Passion of the Christ. You cannot play another biblical. Oh, I- you, you, you going to be Noah? Oh, I do. Uh, Henry Cusick uh, is getting ready to play Jesus Christ now too um, I saw that uh, that little trailer uh, on that the behind the scenes on that just came out uh, just sometime last week I just saw that Henry, Henry E. Cusick oh um, Henry E. Cusick yeah, yeah, yeah he kind of had that uh, look too in um, Lost yeah mm-hmm. okay so number 9 is Love Simon number 8 is A Wrinkle in Time Number seven is Tomb Raider, which I did see Tomb Raider. It was actually surprisingly decent. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't great. It wasn't good. It was okay. I enjoyed it. I saw it for free, so that helped. Uh, Number six is Sherlock Gnomes. Number five is Pacific Rim Uprising. Uprising. Four is... Let's do a show about that. That was great. You know, I didn't get a a chance to see it. Four is I Can Only Imagine... Number three is Black Panther. Woohoo! Yeah! Three, top three. <laughs> Number two is Tyler Perry's uh, Acrimony. Uh, <laughs> and number one is Ready Player One. That was the week in box office. And uh, this week, uh, coming out, we have uh, Blockers starring um, John Cena, Chappaquiddick, which is. Um, Stars uh, Jason Clark, I believe his name is, playing. Uh, um, oh my God, Nixon! I mean, not Nixon. Um, Kennedy, Ted Kennedy. Sorry, in the famous Chappaquiddick uh, incident, uh, the Miracle Season, and of course, uh, A Quiet Place, which I saw last night. Great flick. So that is what's coming out this week. And if you have a chance to see any of these movies, please let us know. Drop us in the comment section and tell us what you thought of it. But uh, I want to um, also a movie came out this weekend and very limited release, uh, but enough to qualify for a Academy Award <laughs> is uh, mm-hmm. th- this movie called The Spinning Man, which, you know, I, I love trailers. So I watch like every trailer I can. And I seen this trailer like a while ago. And it looks like, you know, a movie that would have came out in the 90s, you know, a thriller, very Gone Girl-esque. It stars um, Guy Pierce. And um, James Bond, Pierce Brosnan, 
and uh, what's the the oh my god the chick from uh, the chick from um, um, Goodwill Hunting, uh, Mini Driver. Sorry, and uh, it has a great cast. Yeah. Great cast. Uh, Jamie Kennedy's in it. Um, uh, Jamie Ale- Kennedy. Alexandra <laughs> Ship Kennedy. is in it as well. I Oh wow! Yeah, and it's a movie where uh, a girl goes missing, is presumed dead. I believe she might even be dead. And um, uh, this teacher, uh, played by Guy Pierce, is a suspect. So, and um, Pierce Brosnan is like the detective trying to figure it out. Uh, it looks like a very interesting movie. Uh, I hope to be able to check it out, but it's in very limited release, so that's out as well. So. Uh, I'm going to start off with you, Cher. How can people get you on social media? And what else uh, can we expect from you coming up? Yeah, um, uh, you can find me on Facebook, of course, uh, Actress Cher. Uh, if you type in facebook.com slash Actress Cher, P-A-T-R. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Cher Davis, C-H-E-R-D-A-V-I-S. And you can find me on the gram with the same, Cher David. Um, nothing specific uh, coming up um, just uh, yet, but I think I'm going to be. I think I'm going to be traveling, uh, if not again back again in New York uh, by fall. Then yeah, I definitely want to try and hit up ATL if I can. You know, lots of exciting things going on uh, in both places coming up in fall. Um, not to mention a lot of superhero movies coming out, um, you know, already in production, starting production this year and next, um, in, in, uh, both places. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Share come <laughs> everywhere, but LA I- I'm done with you share. <laughs> She's like, I'm in Dubai. I'm in, uh, Montana. I'm in Idaho. I mean, she's all over the place, but it's like, what about LA? She's like, yeah, nah. No, not there. Oh, you don't want to say you don't want nobody to stay with you no more. Well, I didn't say share. Share. Share, you an Illuminati with me, so you get different rules. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh my uh other Illuminati member oh wait, no, she doesn't want to join. She wants to burn it down. <laughs> it's uh, Jen. Yeah. Uh, uh, the member of Anonymous. <laughs> Boy. WikiLeaks. <laughs> you know, WikiLeaks oh, sounds man, like I'm a... I'm really dragging at the bottom of the barrel here. That sounds like a, a, a very sad disease for only men. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so Jen, well, how can people get you in social media and what should we be on the lookout for? With you. Well, I am nowhere except on Maui. I'm sorry to say, this is it. This is where I am. So, if you want to see me, you're going to have to come here. <laughs> um, on Facebook and on Twitter, I'm at Following Bliss. And you know, because of this conversation, I am going to give some serious intellectual thought over the next couple of days and write an article with the title "What Is Cinema?" Mm. and see if I can break down the reasons that what is cinema is actually fueling this debate Mm -hmm. and maybe come up with some answers. So I will post that to my blog at criticallaughs.com. I love it. All right. I love it. Actually drop me that link. So I I should have that connected to everything. Uh, 
So I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. Keep it in the show notes. I will do that. So um, with all that said, oh, of course, you can follow me at Kente F on Twitter. You can go to our website, IndyRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday for sure to, carry, to uh, co- cover uh, episode four of the TV series, The Terror. Uh, hopefully before that, we'll get to uh, our part two of this uh, show as well. If not, we'll carry it over to Friday. And um, and you know what? Uh, the weekend is coming up. Uh, you guys stay safe. Have a wonderful, beautiful weekend. And God bless. Bye. <laughs>